in today's show. It's a bonus show because Donovan Mitchell got traded yesterday. Well, actually, you know what? I'm going to just, I'm recording this the same day that Donovan Mitchell got traded, but it's releasing a day later. So much preamble. We're talking about statistical correlations year over year. What stats are stable? What stats move around a little bit? Well, at least what happened over the last couple of years. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Um, as I said, I don't think this will be a long show. We're looking at st- statistical, statistical, that's the word, statistical correlations year over year. We've already done it. How does one stat correlate to the other stat? You know, if your yeah, assists are high, your turnovers are high, how does that, you know, how do points and blocks move together? We've already done all that show a couple of weeks ago. Check that out. It's really interesting when looking at punting combos. This is about year on year, like what happens one year versus the next year. Just give you an idea of what's coming next week. There's going to be another mock draft, at least one. Probably a points league mock draft, but I don't know. Open to uh, adjustments or suggestions on that. Might do some early sleepers. We might do a rookie preview. Um, And I think I'm going to start getting into the team-specific fantasy previews. Now that the Donovan Mitchell deal is done, I'll hold off on the Jazz because there's still a lot more stuff to happen there. Um, But we might wait until the end of next week or the week after to bang those out. And then we'll bang them out in like two weeks. So we'll do like three or so team previews per day when that ends up coming out to get you ready. And then we're going to smash out mock drafts and so much other stuff. And if you've got suggestions of shows that you want, I'll drop them down below. I'm going to do last round flyers. I'm going to do first round order. I'm going to do a whole bunch of stuff. So chuck it all in comments below on YouTube, tweet it at me, what sort of stuff you want happening. As I said, we're doing year-on-year statistical correlation here. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. All right. So I compared 2020-2021 through to the 2021-2022 season in terms of per-game values. The way that I wanted to do is see how these numbers correlate. So if you score a certain amount of points one season, do you? how do you go in terms of Scoring a similar amount the next season. If your steals, do they stay stable? Do your blocks stay stable? Does your field goal percentage stay stable? Because as I will talk often, yeah, you see things and yeah, like if someone averages a certain amount, is that likely to happen the next season? Like how much stock do we put into previous season's performances through across all the categories? That's what I wanted to look at here to see if there was something that really stood out as highly correlated, something that stood out as loosely correlated. What were the things that were more reliable and less reliable? And there were some surprising results that I got out of it. The way that I did it, as I looked at the top 250 players from last season on a per-game basis, I looked at the top 250 players from the 2020-2021 season on a per-game basis as well, and I wanted to see the players that were in the top 250 for both of those years. In the end, there was 184 players that were top 250 in both of those seasons, which I think tells us something in itself. 70 players 
moved from either being not in the league or outside the top 250 in 2020-2021 to being inside the top 250 in 21-22. Now, some of those might be guys that played five games like yeah, someone like a Xavier Simpson. Simpson, eh? It's a bunch of rookies. It's Mobley, it's Cade, it's Green, it's Barnes, it's all of those guys. It's Wagner, all the rookies. You know, 40th, so all those guys jumping in. But there was 70 guys or around 70 players, 66 to be exact, who moved from either not in the league or outside the top 250 to inside the top 250, meaning, of course, 66 players moved out of the top 250 from the year prior. And in my past research, if I narrow that down to top 150, it usually you have 40 to 50 players move in and out of the top 50. So you got two-thirds stay in that group and two-thirds move out when you're talking top 150, which is like a standard league draftable pool. You normally have a 67 to 70% um, stability, and the rest are guys that move in and move out. So we've got that. 184 players we're looking at across this sample size. So as I said, sample size is sitting at 184 for this correlation. So what was the number one correlated stat year on year? It was rebounds. And it was really, really highly correlated. Anything above 0.9 is a really high correlation. Rebounds was 0.91. Anything that's below 0.5 is loosely correlated. Anything below 0.3 is really not correlated at all. Anything below 0.8 is sort of okay. 0.7 is like, you know, sort of correlated. But 0.9 is really strong. So rebounds are correlated pretty strongly. So guys with low rebounds, they're not likely in general to jump up. Guys with great rebounds aren't likely to drop too much. Now, we'll see that tested. What happens with Townsend Gobert this season? That's probably the biggest test there. What happens with, say, a DeJounte Murray when he has to now compete for rebounds with John Collins and Clint Capella? Do those rebounds stick? What happens to the guys in Utah with Gobert gone? Do other players jump up their rebounding? Does Sexton get big rebound bump now that he's in Utah because there's no Gobert around? This is far from foolproof, of course. We've got to take individual context in. But if we're looking at players, especially players who remain in a similar situation, their rebound numbers tend to stay pretty stable. In fact, the most stable out of the nine standard fantasy categories. And I think that's it's something worth mentioning. It's worth noting. It's worth noting that that is one of the, high, the highest correlations. Now, I'll tell you right now that a lot of these, these categories, they stayed pretty stable and they were pretty highly correlated. And again, I, I do think that's important to note. I think it's more important to note the ones that aren't correlated or some of the ones that are surprisingly highly correlated, which I'm going to get into in a second. Before I do that though, guys, if you are one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stone, what's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Well, wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You don't only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high and get a DUI. All right. So what was the next highest correlation? It was assists. 0.895. Pretty highly correlated. Again, we're going to see that challenged. DeJounte Murray, again, does his assist drop coming to a new situation? Do Colin Sexton's rise going to a different situation? 
Did Darius Garland's drop with Donovan Mitchell joining him? There are a lot of situations where assists might change, but in general, in general, over that 184-player sample size, they stayed relatively stable. So we can feel okay about most guys in similar situations that their assist numbers stay pretty similar. When I look at projections and rankings, I've said this lots of times, um, when I look at them, I tend to downweight the low-volume stats, threes, steals, and blocks. Because they're the things that, on average, your fantasy team might average 0.9 steals per game, or your, your average player sorry, gets 0.9. Your average player might average one steal, and they might average 1.3 threes, which are, are low numbers. And again, if you go from, if you get, because they're such low numbers, and you can't actually get a half a steal and a half a block in a game, one steal, you get one steal, it's, it's average. You get two steals, it's 98th percentile. That's the difference. Like, it's a wild variation. So because those things can wildly vary game to game, I tend to downweight those when I'm looking at projections and rankings. I do steals. I think I've got steals at 0.7 now. I've got blocks at 0.8 and threes at 0.8. Just because the wild variance due to the low volume. Like, with points, if you score 22 points, but you have a game where you make an extra bucket and you score 24, oh, well, big deal. It doesn't change too much. If you get normally eight rebounds... And in one game, you grab an extra one, you get nine. It's 10% improvement, but it's not 100% improvement like it is going from one to two steal. It's a big... It, those, those things get muted somewhat. If you get hit one three, and then you hit a second three, 100% improvement. Goes from below average to above average. You get one block, average. You get two blocks, unbelievable. And it wildly change, it changes rankings so much. So I always downweight those. So I was a little bit... Because I think, again, there is so much game-to-game variation. So I was a little bit surprised to see the third highest... What do you think it is? What do you think the third highest correlated stat is? Hmm. The third highest correlated stat was actually threes at 0.889. So really highly correlated. The threes you hit one season, the volume of them tends to tended to stay the same across this two-year sample. But again, on a game-to-game basis, that can change because they are lower volume. Um, and they are a, a stat that's available pretty wildly, widely off the waiver wire. You want threes, go get Tim Hardaway. He'll give you two and a half a game. Go get Reggie Bullock. He'll get you three a game. You can find them. Go get Fournier to hit two and a half a game. You can find threes on the wire with last picks really easily. So I deprioritize them, again, for that reason, but also because of the you know, one three versus two threes changes so much value, so much. And I said so much twice there, I know. Um, the fourth highest correlated, which almost the same as threes in terms of correlation. These are all really high numbers. And it was another low volume one. It was blocks. So block numbers stay similar year to year. Now, there's going to be changes. We talk about guys like Miles Turner. If he goes from three blocks to 2.5 blocks, it's a big change. But it's still relatively correlated. You don't very often get guys coming out of nowhere and going from 0.5 blocks to 1.6. It's so unlikely to happen. So when we're looking at past performances in the block category, they're usually relatively stable. So they're by far the four highest. Well, that's not true. The next one's sort of close to that, but those guys here, all 89 or 0.89 or above in correlation. Rebounds, assists, 
threes and blocks. So year-to-year stability for those seems like it's relatively high. Turnovers was also pretty high, 0.875. Now, I've given my reasons why when I'm looking at rankings or projections of players, I don't want to include turnovers in that because, again, turnovers and assists are so highly correlated together that if a player is getting high assists, they're going to get high turnovers. That's just something you have to deal with, right? You want to include turnovers, that means you're drafting Mikhail Bridges ahead of Luka Doncic. Insanity. Like it's just it's not realistic. It's just and, and the value is just not there in that. And that that's but that's something I've discussed plenty of times. But year to year turnovers, very rare that someone goes from two turnovers to three and a half. Like you'll see someone that might increase, like someone in a in a larger role, like DeJounte probably drops his turnovers, Sexton probably increases them. Keldon Johnson probably increases his turnovers somewhat this season. More offensive responsibility. Trey Jones, maybe he increases. Probably he does because his minutes go up. But they are relatively tightly correlated turnover numbers. It's, it, it's, it's worth paying attention to that. Now we've got, that's five categories done. Rebounds, assists, threes, blocks, turnovers. They're all pretty tightly correlated year to year. We've got field goal percentage, free throw percentage, steals, and points that are that are all left. Well, the next highest correlated one is still relatively solid, and that's field goal percentage, which I guess is somewhat of a surprise. And I think that that that's you know, you'll see some guys jump up their field goal percentage, maybe two to three percentage points. But in, in general, and it's one of those things again that we we think, oh, this guy is going to a better team, better teammates. Less attention around him, um, the efficiency is going to rise, and usually, usually it doesn't. Uh, most times it doesn't. I don't know why that is, but it's just like players are sort of not what they are. Then there's going to be improvements as you go through your career, first to second, second to third, third to fourth. And that, that tends to happen in your career as you progress. You get better at shooting, and efficiency rises. But year on year. They're still pretty tightly correlated efficiency. If you're a low field goal guy, you tend to be a lower field goal guy. A high field goal guy tends to be a higher field goal guy. Always going to be individual exceptions, but as a general rule, it's not a bad correlation, even though it's less correlation than those other categories. We're getting down in correlation here. These are still pretty high though. Points, 0.86. Still really good. Not as good as the others. Still really good though. So scoring, again, you have the individual exceptions and scoring is tied so much into usage because we know what usage is. Usage is increasing field goal percentage, free throw attempts or turnovers. That's what usage is. So your points are correlated pretty highly as well. It's good to know that we know who the scorers are. They they tend to do that. Now, again, there's going to be changes when players get squished into situations where the usage has to change. They're scoring changes. The next two, we've got two categories left. Free throw percentage and steals. I'll give you a spoiler. They're not strongly correlated at all. They're not weakly correlated, but they're no, there's a gigantic drop-off here. Points was 0.862. Free throw percentage is 0.728. That's getting to a stage where you go, huh, can I trust free throw percentage? And we've seen this. Brandon Ingram had a 25 percentage point jump one season. 
Andrew Wiggins, Russell Westbrook, they went from 77 80% guys to 60% guys. Christian Wood, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. LeBron actually went the opposite way last season. Chris Paul, might, I think he was like a 92% guy, or Devin Booker was 92 and went to 85. Still great, big drop. And I don't know why this is. Now, free throw percentage is a lot smaller sample size than field goal percentage. Just think, in, on average, let's just say players take 12 shots per game from the field. I don't know if that number's correct, but it's probably close. On average for free throws, it's like three a game. So the sample size of free throws is, you basically need four years of free throw data to give you the same amount of shots that you would take in a, in a, a season from the field. So that sample size of those numbers is obviously way lower. So therefore, and we know shooting can be quite hot and cold, that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, you, you've, if you're taking three times as fewer shots from the line than from the field, than from the field, then there seems like the you know, this, that's what this will bear out that there's more in, season to season um, variation in free throw percentage than there is in field goal percentage. Like if we looked at field goal percentage for the first two months versus the next two months versus the next two months versus the next two months, I know that's eight months. There's not that in a season. Let's say six weeks. First six, second six, third six, fourth six weeks, which is a, a full season. I reckon you'd see pretty strong correlation or pretty similar of like a player shooting in the first six weeks versus in the second six weeks versus the third six weeks versus the fourth six weeks probably looks closer to that free throw percentage correlation. But because the sample size for field goals is so much higher over a course of the year, it tends to stabilize itself. Whereas free throws, you don't have that same ability. That was intriguing to me. Is it just because someone was a solid free throw guy or an average free throw guy, doesn't necessarily mean that's going to happen. So when we look at Luka Doncic, who had been poor in the past, but took improvements. Giannis has been poor in the past. He's been good in the past. LeBron was poor in the past, but he was really good last season. Maybe he drops off. Maybe Anthony Davis comes back up. There seems like there's more possibility in changes in free throws than there is in blocks or threes or rebounds or assists. And the last, the lowest correlation in stats was steals. And that's really not that much of a surprise to me. I bang on about steals a lot. 0.71 was the correlation. I talk about it a lot in that I tend to downweight steals in projections. And they're one of the biggest things that take a guy from being the 140th ranked player to the 70th ranked player. So often when you're looking at rankings or projections, you see someone 80th and go, wow, why is this guy here? Oh, it's 1.76. Why is Herb Jones 70th? Oh, it's 1.7 steals. If he averages 1.3, he's 130th. And he's not even remotely interesting. Um, DeJounte Murray goes from two steals this season. What if he goes to 1.5? Seems possible. Then that top 10 finish, top 20, top 30, it's very much in doubt. Steals is a number that has not correlated. And this, I, I, I only looked at this over a two-year sample. Yes, I could have gone back and done this for 10 years, but what this does to me is it does show... Like steel, I've said this a lot with steals over years and years, anecdotally, without actually running the numbers on it. And this measures exactly up with what I thought, is that those steal numbers are so variable, even game to game, but season to season, it's so variable that 
putting a lot of stock into those steel numbers remaining. Like even someone like Donovan Mitchell went from, I think, 1.4 steals per 100 possessions to 1.9 last season. What if he goes back to 1.4? It's not a huge drop in terms of what are you actually doing on court because half a steal per 100 possessions is one play every two games. But it makes a massive difference to fantasy value. It's a massive difference. And it's really something that swings the perceived value of a player so, so much. So what's the takeaway from all of this? I don't think it should change huge amounts about what you do drafting. I think you do have to really be careful, especially with steals, because they have the low volume variability, which is a problem. And now season to season variability. So if we're relying upon these things, or if you see someone break out, a lot of the time that one of the things you look at is percentages and steals. And if they're up or down, it changes things massively, massively. And having that in your head, rather than like, well, this guy was a 90% free throw guy. It doesn't mean that he will be. This guy averaged two steals. He might not be. There's more likelihood of someone going from a two steals player to a 1.3 steals player than there is from a nine rebound guy becoming a five rebound guy. It's just way more likely for that to happen. That is what this is happening. It's more likely for a two steals player to become a 1.5 steals player, 25% decrease, than it is for a 20 point per game scorer to become a 15 point per game scorer. It's way more likely that steals guy drops off that much. And again, I think there is usefulness in having that sort of knowledge. When you're assessing the value of a player, is it highly influenced by what they did steals-wise last season? Or highly influenced by a big drop in free throws or a big rise in free throws that might not stick? Let me know what you thought about this show and about this topic. And did you get, how much did you get out of it? Were you surprised to see steals as the lowest correlation year to year? I wasn't really, but it was good to see it shown in the numbers. Let me know in the comments, shows for next week, what you sort of want. We're going to have Adam King on during the week as well. We'll talk to him about something. Don't know yet. We'll see what it is. Um, and a bunch of stuff. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Odyssey app. Thumb it up. Drop your comments down below. Check out my Donovan Mitchell video from yesterday as well. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.